0: of no, uh, new methods of attack. <laughs>
1: People are weird. People are Can I just tell you what I was? Um, I watched General the,
0: Hoss,
1: the, the pitch, Chiefs game. Um, um, sort I. I have a bit of an affinity because you know I spent some time in Kansas City. That's right. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and. Um, And after the Chief game, I was because I watched it on Paramount Plus, which apparently I have. I'm paying for these things. I don't even know. Um, Or my daughter got it, so it's on that. And then I'm I'm done, and I'm like, I don't really feel like getting up and working. I'm going to scroll through what's on here. And there was a um, thriller documentary, Thriller 40, the 40th anniversary of Thriller, which is a very bad documentary, by the way. Did Spike Lee Um,
0: do that, or didn't Spike Lee do some Michael Jackson thing? Yeah.
1: He might have. I mean, I have should look it up and see who did it, but it's not good. Um, but that said, you know, there's some amazing footage in it. You know, just you know, isolated tracks from the record and a lot of studio stuff, and like there's some interesting stuff here and there. But there's this really funny part right. Before, <laughs> I stopped it right before I came up here because I haven't, I haven't finished it. And um, you know, it's one of those documentaries where <laughs> they just you just want to watch footage, and so they have to pad it with people like Will I Am. And, um, you know, just random people like Mark Ronson, who is like the most insufferable person on the planet, um, and the guy who I've never seen write, but he just exists to be in documentaries, Nelson George. It was just like I swear to God he docu- used to
0: write, and there was even a moment that it was interesting. But it's been like documented for the last twenty years.
1: He's just and says the same thing over and over again. David Frick <laughs> but, is a bit um,
0: like that now because like all the people who are dying, you know, David Frick comes on. Oh yeah, on, when he was at Rolling Stone, at Rolling yeah, Stone, he used yeah. to write about them, and uh, and he's got this sort of like majestically weird face. He's like yeah, the Robert yeah, Parrish like of rock criticism.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> He's actually kind of like the Kevin McHale of rock criticism. Yeah, actually... <laughs> he's a bit of a Kevin McHale face. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's, he's, I like him. But the funny thing about this is that they have Misty Copeland on, you know, the ballet dancer, right? Very famous ballet dancer. And it cuts to her in this like Soho loft. And I don't know, she's come out of nowhere. And she says the most insane thing I've ever that's that it plays the footage the best footage of michael ever is from the motown uh thing where he comes out oh god and, and moonwalks and does a show and everyone yeah that's the, exactly and everyone freaks the fuck out but but i feel bad because it's like he comes out and does the jackson fives is a motown thing and they're all the like, and he's like okay
2: bye yeah bye tito
1: Woo, bye jermaine and hugs them all and he's like i love the old songs but i like the new songs better <laughs> yeah fucking yeah. rips in a Billie Jean and people are doing like backflips in the audience it is wild absolutely crushes it and I'm like digging this like what just the reaction it's like brings tears to you eyes. see people so happy there's like kids in the crowd freaking out and you're like what a moment this is great and uh custom Misty Copeland <laughs> who says you know to see <laughs> oh no I can't even believe this was real oh, no. she's like to see a black man on his toes, like uh, up on his toes, like because you know he gets up on the toes doing the, the, it, the moonwalk, it, after right. the moonwalk, and then he gets up on the toes. You see a black man on his toes, like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then it's like it's a little beat after that, and it has a great interview with Michael, um, who rarely did interviews. um And it's soon after that, and and this is like when she's talking about black and white, and this that, and is Michael talking about how? He got a message or a phone call from Fred Astaire, oh. who was like, I watched this two times over on tape because it's so good and you're so amazing. And Michael's like freaking out. And he's like, he's like, well, I think you're the most amazing Fred Astaire because <laughs> he loves Fred Astaire. Of course he does. And it's like, of course, you know, in like an America. it's this inc- it's incredible thing of like to see a black man on his toes. And then it's like in Fred Astaire. 40s, 50s dancer. It was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like, all of a sudden, the race is immediately taken out of it. And it's like, wait, what? What yeah. does that even have to do with anything? Wait, what? I mean, there is the relevant stuff when MTV was not playing. Um, and they make a big deal out of this, the playing black music. But it, it was, you know, and David, there's a favorite clip of David Bowie. David Bowie upbraiding that. Them about mark, that. Yeah, it's
0: mark. Was total, totally fine. It was a it was, great David Bowie, like, you know, yeah, you should he's, play uh, Prince. He, he, why are not you play? Yeah, playing? well,
1: he wasn't wrong, and like Mark, uh, what's his name, Goodman or whatever? Yeah, uh, responded. Poodle hair, which is like, which is the kind of right response. He said, "Well, we're just like a rock music channel, and that's the, you know, it's not by design." But then, of course, they broaden and realize that there's a ton of money to be made. And I saw Thriller and Beat It and et cetera, et cetera on um, MTV uh, ad Infinitum for a very long time. So. Yeah, but uh, but it's not worth paying close attention to the documentary, but you can scrub through it. Cause I think it's actually on YouTube too. Um, and see some of the good footage and some of the isolated tracks and some of the cool stuff. Like I wanted to anyway. talk
0: to you about a documentary that I saw on an airplane two weeks ago I've Been meaning to bring this up. but when it's the three of us and you're like drunk again and yelling at the at Rachel Maddow and stuff, so hard to get a word in Edwin, Edwin Ed, Camille's busy, like, uh, like, uh, being stoned. Um, but that, uh, yeah, I was watching a documentary on a plane that I've been meaning to bring bring up with you, uh, saw a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, and I presume that you have seen it, you've, you've like watched it once, then hate-watched it a second time, and then maybe gathered enough material watching it a third time to make entire voodoo dolls over participant media, which produced it, and to try to murder them all. It's called A Compassionate Spy. Have you seen this thing?
1: Oh my God! Okay, so when <laughs> I so I was on a plane yesterday, and uh, thankfully not flying into JFK, which was uh, taken over by Islamic Jihad or the Al Martyrs Brigade or something. They're, they're, they're to flooding disrupt. JFK. Yeah, Get nice or job. They try the to. cops. This time the yeah. cops are
0: like, "Fuck you! Don't do it."
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is thank God. Um, and I saw that that I couldn't believe it was on there because I had known about it. Uh, and my old friend, Ron Radosh, wrote a review of it. And there is an accompanying book, which I believe Harvey Clare is writing about, the the kind of uh, doyen of um, of uh, American historians of communism, um, Emory University, emeritus professor, one of the smartest guys out there, um, who I've been communicating with, actually, about something that I'm writing. But, um, yeah, that document, I couldn't believe that. I was in the s- cinema, and I was like, I don't think I can go see it because I know it's going to make me too angry. Um, and because it's, it's, there's two versions of this from back then. Tell, tell, is, tell, tell,
0: tell the kids about the documentary. Uh, so it's yeah. It's so it's Ted Hall, that's the guy's name.
1: Yeah, Teddy Theodore Hall, was who was eighteen a years spy, old, eighteen years old, and he Manhattan was at the Manhattan Project. At the Manhattan Project, and he was uncovered um, much later um, than the other spies. Um, not a very well known one. But uh, this documentary, I haven't seen, so I can't say you have seen it. It does uh, make the case, according to Ron and people who have seen it, that, oh, you know, well, he was just trying to do good. He was compassionate. He was trying to give the Soviet Union access to what the Americans had. To you know, it was all equal at that point. It was, you know, it's literally
0: called a compassionate spy. And his, yes. the, his idea is that there should be competition over this uh, technology in order to Create some okay. kind of mutual deterrence; otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll be uh, just used as a weapon of war.
1: Yeah, or otherwise known as "I hate America <laughs> and I love the Soviet <laughs> Union." Um, it's a it's a, a ludicrous argument. But uh, l- look at Ron Radosh's piece about this. I my I can't even remember where he wrote it, but he sent it to me, and I and I wrote it. I didn't talk to him in a while, and I wrote it, wrote him back and said if thought it was it was very good. I mean, Ron's up there in his eighties now and still punching stuff like this out. But uh, yeah, this is an old argument. This is an argument made by a lot of people who didn't totally deny it. I mean, people like Alger Hiss, who I was thinking about the other day, actually, because Alger Hiss was the first big spy case. Not, in the, not on the Manhattan Project, not an atomic spy, but he was in the State Department. You know, people said famously, Richard Nixon made his career exposing Alger Hiss, who was actually exposed by a former communi- communist named Whitaker Chambers. He was, at that point, writing for Time Magazine. Very elegant, beautiful writer. um, And had a weird... He was just a weird guy in a lot of ways, but a really interesting guy. And an absolutely uh, terrific biography about him by um, Sam Tannenhaus. Which, I mean, honestly, if there's any biography I could recommend of that period about that sort of stuff, I would recommend Sam Tannenhaus' book. Um, It's really terrific. And it's a fairly sympathetic portrait of him. Most people... On Sam's side of the aisle are not terribly sympathetic to to Chambers, but his. I was thinking about the other day because it is now known, but without beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are real. There are always a couple of holdouts, and there's a couple of pretty aggressive holdouts that he was in fact a spy, and he went to his deathbed saying that he wasn't, and that it was all made up. And the detail that's provided by Chambers and a guy named Noel Field, who um, was a spy who escaped from to Hungary. And then in some of the madness in Communist Hungary, it was actually arrested and accused in a Stalinist way of being a part of a conspiracy. And after the fall of the wall, we got the, um, the transcripts of that interrogation in which he talks about Hiss as a spy. Um, and he would know, right? So I watched an interview, a British interview from the 70s. And Hiss is just talking about, how, yeah, I'm totally innocent. And, and, you know, it's like a complete, it's completely crazy. And I just started thinking, what is it like to go through your whole life that the only thing people know you for, otherwise you'd have been a fairly anonymous State Department employee. I mean, like his brother, Donald Hiss, was fairly anonymous uh, guy, also a communist too, by the way, in having to justify or lie about something until your dying day. You go to these big galas that like the Nation magazine would have and Victor Navasky would have who defended him to to his death um, saying that this has been a big frame-up by this kind of right-wingers. And it's not true. I mean, it's he knew the entire time that he was an agent of the Soviet Union and that everything that Chambers said about him was true.
0: That's got to be so corrosive it's, on some it's level. It's got to
1: be so corrosive, right? Yeah. Just like- I mean, it's like... OJ, but the thing about OJ and people like this, when you say like, hey, Twitter world, he's not talking about the thing that he knows that he did, but his made a career out of talking about how he had been framed and victimized. And it wasn't true.
0: The thing that is comparatively on that one note, refreshing, I guess, about Ted Hall, they show a lot of footage of him. This became known in the mid nineties, I presume yeah. when the Verona, Venona, whatever, uh, Venona, yeah. yeah, and there's a
1: book called Bombshell, I think that was about, yes. about him, yeah.
0: And when it came out, it was like, yeah, I totally did it, um, and I'm proud of it. Um, and the uh, <laughs> the documentary, every time they talk about like people who are worried about communist conspiracies, they find the craziest sounding person, They're just like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, these right wingers, like these paranoid conspiracies. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you know, this guy's is like a, a sweetheart, who's uh, in the documentary and um, you know mm-hmm. was interviewed for it late in life, but you see her earlier too. Um, like she was an active, really enthusiastic member of the the Communist Party, um, and yeah. then doing socialist rabble rousing. She ha- they had to quit after he was hauled in for interrogation. And they like dumped a, um, uh, a a briefcase full of literature that they've been like uh, peddling around for years into the river mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, and you could tell she's banged up about that, but really proud that her daughter and proud that her daughter, um, in the late sixties and early seventies was a Maoist. She thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's totally yeah. paranoid conspiracy to think that people yeah. are doing it. Um, but he was unrepentant. He was like, yeah, I did this and I did this because, uh, you know, I had compassion. Um, I, I think I personally it's a th-
1: common argument, think yeah, that it's delusional
0: and they would, and they cut to, oh, uh, one, uh, Guy's like from Texas and his teeth were crazy. He looked like Nick Nolte, like on a, on a 72 hour bender on, on PCH somewhere. Um, and he's like, I think he should be executed. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sitting there going, well, I'm against the death penalty. Um, but, um, no, he, uh, the guy, <laughs> the guy, when he was interrogated, just lied through his teeth. That was his, that was how he did it. So he didn't make a, a public career out of it at all he went and and mm-hmm. you know his brother was part of i think the hydrogen program and and was uh yeah. was in uh the military and was like uh, cool to him throughout like even though he knew about it um but uh, uh you know that brazen lying and getting away with it, it and the documentary was was done in such a way that you kind of have no idea of how and why they let him slip through their fingers when there was clearly at least you know some evidence out there what
1: this, was- happened, this happened a lot, by the way. The, there's an enormous myth that people were persecuted within an inch of their life. I mean, there was a lot of that unfair stuff when it came to teachers, university professors, etc. Within the administration, particularly FDR's administration, which is when you get most of it, there's a lot of people that we know about this and we just essentially let them walk. We don't really say much about it. It doesn't really, you know. I mean, Hiss goes to prison, right? But Hiss goes to prison for perjury. He doesn't go to prison for spying. And that's pretty common, that there's nobody who really spends a lot of time in prison. And, you know, um, we got an email, as I I don't read a lot, you, you send certain ones, and there's an email from some asshole, uh, being an asshole, uh, which I weirdly responded to, I never respond to these things, but uh, there's one part of it, he said, you know, you're making fun of Rachel Maddow, like, you're teasing this thing you're writing, just fucking do it, it's like, first of all, buddy, Not all of us have a lot of time in the day to send emails to people they don't know. So apparently you have a lot of time and I don't. But I've been trying to manage about a million different things. And this has actually turned into kind of a book-length thing at this point. But one of the things during it, when I was thinking about this, um, was, you know, her talking about, oh, there's Nazis and they're just, they're not they could overthrow the government. It's just like what happened on January 6th in the 1930s and 40s. It's just absolutely untrue and completely overblown. But the other side is true, that there were tons of communists in, in government, and it's, that truth has been replaced by a narrative of McCarthyism run amok. And I wrote a piece for Reason a long time ago about how poisonous and terrible McCarthy was, and that is true, and I believe that. And, uh, but it doesn't mean that there wasn't an enormous number of people. How many spies did the Americans have in the Soviet Union? Very few. I mean, there were Soviets who, who, you know, sometimes ideological, sometimes for, you know, financial reasons, ideological spies. I decided to do something. I think I can't find anything like this. I just sort of started to write it down. Like just thinking of people like, and you know, people I'd come across who were in the United States government who spied for the Soviet Union. And who would those be? Um, if you will allow me about a minute, just yeah. give me a minute. Yeah. I won't go through the whole thing. But just, just going to give you, people can look at these people. Just, it's an idea of what was actually going on. Um, George Shaw Wheeler, unrelated to David Niven Wheeler, Harry Dexter White, Maurice Halperin, John Apt, Philip Keeney, Lachlan Curry, William Remington, Duncan Lee, Lawrence Duggan, Franz Neumann, Victor Perlow, who were in the Perlow group, George Koval, Nathan Silvermaster, ran the Silvermaster group, Charles Kramer, Eldra Hiss, Donald Hiss, Henry Collins, Julius Rosenberg, Solomon Adler, Bella Gold, Sonia Gold, Harry Gold, William Taylor, Frank Coe, David Greenglass, um, William Ludwig Ullman, who I wasn't familiar with, uh, Julian Wadley, Noel Field, Joel Barr, Harry Magdoff, Nathan Witt, William Pearl, Klaus Fuchs, Theodore Hall, Morton Sobel, Judith Copeland. There's another page, so I'm going to leave it there. Those were people that worked in the United States government and were spying for... The Soviet Union, Joseph Stalin. In every one of those cases, it's Joseph Stalin. One of the ma- biggest mass murderers of the 20th century. Um, and that's, a and murders, <laughs> that's a lot. And his murders.
0: people. And I, 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 I hate to always bring this up, but it's also true. Um, his murderousness was not unknown in 1940. That's a lie. Yeah. Um, it was that's not unknown at all. It was, it was, it was yeah. talked about in the widely popular known. press. Um, widely known. George Kennan, the author of the famous x uh, essay and the shaper of post world war II american foreign policy had it was an ambassador there had popularized writings about the famine in ukraine and uh, and other things this was widely known um there's a moment yeah. in in the uh, documentary um which and i i didn't know anything about it i didn't know anything about the story or about the the treatment of it and you know it was a sort of a sweet old couple looking back at their Secret giving time, and I'm I, I I'm always interested in Manhattan Project stuff because it's you know math and fun mm-hmm. and patriotism bombs, uh, and uh, and then you realize that this kind of sweet old lefty lady, she was sort of talking about how hey you know we're all everyone thought that the Soviet Union was pretty cool in the forties like there was this uh, popular movie that came out. Um, and, uh, everyone thought it was totally fine. It was called mission to Moscow. And, and so, uh, you know, everyone, a fifth column listener here, like <laughs> you hear the needle scratch going, and like, you know, the 75 times Michael has mentioned this. I had never, yeah. I had never seen an excerpt of it and they went and played like two minutes of mission from to- the trial,
1: right? From the trial, because there was a, a whole part of that movie, um, which was Michael Curtiz, by the way, who, who directed Casablanca about the show trials. The yeah, no brutal, they, didn't,
0: they didn't show that part cuz
1: it's insane. They're like they're guilty in the movie. It's incredible. It's they, incredible.
0: They should just show like uh like uh because it's based on I guess the uh the US ambassador not George Cannon. Yes. Um and, like, how he goes to the countryside and, and say, yeah. and, like, his wife, like, meets up a woman, like, say, I thought you were all peasants, but in fact, you're very yeah, liberated yeah. women. Uh, yeah. Yes, we are. Ha <laughs> ha. Your ideas about us are maybe need updating in the in <laughs> yes, new times. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And I don't know why I'm doing Triumph the Insult comic dog now, yeah. but um uh it's it, like there's no way that you can watch it i swear like anyone try the most the most like lefty it's common simp listener and i and i say that out of love uh of this podcast go watch it and try to last five seconds without going like dude that is some of the most ridiculous it's propaganda insane. i've ever seen like it's laugh right. out loud horrible and, and this is
1: by the way 1943 it's not as if it's i mean even during the ukrainian famine and People like Gareth Jones, who Agneska Holland made her movie Mr. Jones about. I guess that was recently. um, Which I haven't seen. We should uh, uh, have. Yeah. um, But Mission to Moscow is um, uh, Joseph Davies, who is the, the American ambassador, who's in the movie at the beginning. Yeah. It starts with him sitting in camera going... I never thought I'd be sitting in a Hollywood film. I'm just an ambassador. Yeah. And it's like this thing about like, but what you know about Stalin's Russia might be wrong. And yeah. then they proceed to tell you that everybody in the show Taros was guilty. And it is one of the most bizarre movies um I've ever seen. There's about three or four of them that were that were explicitly uh pro-Moscow. And that one is uh especially bizarre so and decided
0: um, not just cite it, but then show it you know now in a modern contemporary movie as like see we all thought that you know normally thought that the soviet union was better than you know we had no idea this this seemed right and it's like dude you you watched uh, five seconds of this and didn't immediately start retching or laughing or something uh but crazy. It's, you know what that is
1: that's the 1943 version of the of Twitter is not real life. It's like the Daily Worker is not real life. I mean, yeah. there these are people who have no interaction with reality. They leave. They read New Masses, which was the the um, party affiliated magazine. Read the Daily newspaper, the Daily Worker, which is the party affiliated newspaper. Hang out with people. They're in that universe. Hollywood is is honeycombed with the with people like this, um, and and that's also true. Read D- Radosh's book on this called Red Star of Hollywood, which is very very good. Um, you know, cause that's the other thing is like the Hollywood scare, the red scare in Hollywood, the blacklist. And it's like, yeah, that blacklist was not, was not the right reaction to this at all. But there was another blacklist that preceded that, which was the communist controlled unions and communist screenwriters, um, Alva Bessie and, and people like that, um, Dalton Trumbo, who tried to not only get messages into films, but tried to prevent people who were actively anti-Soviet from ever working in Hollywood. That actually happened prior to the, the blacklist that everybody knows about. There was a, there was a blacklist inside Hollywood too. And that's not even controversial. People know about that, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, that was uh, that's a, I've, I've heard of the film. I know of Ted hall and I've resisted it cause I don't need to blow a gasket. It's, it you.
0: is pure. Like uh, Michael Moynihan heart attack fuel. It's, yeah, oh, yeah. it's so great. Yeah, I didn't think
1: that was going to be a balanced one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't, but fun. Uh, anyway, sorry to, uh, sidetrack everyone yeah. too much, but you know, um, let's weird. get to some mail
1: cause we have some, some, you know, not all asshole I mean, well, there's only one asshole that I saw, but, um.
0: Yeah. We're not going to read uh, uh, that. Certainly. Not, um, no, no, no. let me scroll to the top here, uh, and get to, uh, something that, um, I guess echoes something that people were complaining about us on Reddit, but this is much nicer, nicely done from Patrick. Uh, hi, guys. Mm-hmm. Nearly every episode, you mock the doomsayers on Twitter and MSNBC. Patrick, I don't know about ever, everyone, but certainly on the last main one, we, that's what we are watching. Yeah,
1: done, I'll give him credit and say I've done it a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, Michael's done a lot. He's sort of in, <laughs> yeah, in, his, yeah. in his rabbit hole now. Anyway, he goes on. Uh, Who cry that with each step Trump takes toward the presidency, the end of democracy is nigh. I tend to agree with you that these people are hyperventilating Cassandras and that we have a far more resilient democracy than they think. And yet- It would be naive to completely dismiss Trump's hostility to Democratic principles, even if you don't think January 6th was an insurrection. It's frightening that he and his supporters actually believe 2020 was stolen and did, in fact, attempt in various ways to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. So my question for you, all jokes aside, is are you concerned at all if Trump wins? Because to listen to you guys, it seems that you're not worried at all and that anyone who suggests Trump is an existential threat is a loony. And then uh, he sent a PS, uh, literally five minutes after I sent the above email, Andrew Sullivan's Weekly Dish column hit my inbox.
1: A very good column.
0: Pondering yeah. Trump's threat to the democratic order. I'd love to hear your take on it. So maybe you get Yeah, start. And
1: Andrew, by the way, who, um, and I communicated um, with him a bit, not, not. Well, or one of the people on his staff about this. Um, prior the to Sullivan him. machine. Yes. The Sullivan machine. It's just crazy. All right. You want the rest of that? Yeah, go over to fifth.substack.com um, and you'll get more than just uh, Michael Jackson and some documentaries that we've <laughs> watched recently. Yeah. There's a, there's a long bit in this that addresses um, some issues that people had with the last couple episodes. I think Matt, Camille, and I, all three of us talking about Donald Trump and the supposed threat to democracy and the reasons we sort of, are, I in particular, generally disagree with that. Um, people push back on that. So we talked about that and we appreciate all those emails and all those comments. A lot of that commentary goes on over at our Substack. You have to subscribe to comment. You see how it goes. Sorry about that, but go do it. And the rest of this episode is uh, pretty good. And uh, we will see you for a freebie. In a couple of days.